Hey guys, we are so glad you're here with us at Journey Church Online. I want you to know God has something so amazing for you today. This service was made with you in mind, so make sure you take the opportunity to lean into what truth is spoken. As we jump into the service, I want to encourage you to share this video with someone. The small action of sharing this video on social media could be the start of life change for whoever sees it. Now, join me in prayer as we prepare for God's message of victory for your life. God, I thank you just for this opportunity that we get to come together and worship collectively, Lord. I pray that you just motivate us today, that this message speak to our heart, and that you just continue to bless our week, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hey, guys. Uh, welcome back to Journey Online. We're excited to continue this week with our second part of uh, victory over our past. And so we're, uh, you know, we started a series last Sunday, and, and with everything that's going on around us, you know, there's just a lot of change, a lot of chaos, and a lot of questions and a lot of things going on. I really feel like that uh, God's Word speaks clearly to what's going on around us and how to how to overcome some of the, the challenges that maybe we're facing as a nation right now. And, and some of the uh, challenges that many of us are facing even in our own lives as a result of our past. And so if you got your uh, Bibles, you can take them out. If you want to follow along with uh, you know you uh, version, you can follow along there to look up some of the scriptures and stuff. But we'll have all of it here on the screen. But victory of our past, part two, we're, we're hitting that today. We, we unpacked a few things last week. Just talking about the, it's the condition of the heart. It's an issue of the heart. And so our heart issues are what often keep us trapped and keep us captive and uh, keep us uh, in bondage, if you will, to our past. And uh, most of us, you know, we would love to live in victory. I don't know about you, but I love to win. I mean, I'm one of those guys that I hate to lose. My wife will tell you. I think I hate losing more than I like winning. Now, that's probably jacked up, and I probably need some therapy for that. But, but I do. I love to win. And uh, I don't care if it's tiddlywinks or whatever. I like to win. If we're in some type of competition, I like to win. I hate to lose. So, but God is a God of victory. And uh, one of the things I love is God wants you to walk in victory. We talked about that. Throughout Scripture, God wins. I mean, throughout the Bible, God wins. Every battle, God wins. I love it. And, uh, and so he's a winner, man. He loves to win. He has victory, and he gives us victory. And God wants us to walk in victory. In 1 Corinthians 15, we read this last week, it says, But thank God he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. And so God gives us victory, you know, and we get that through our faith in what Christ has done. Victory over death, victory over sin, victory over the grave. And uh, so it's awesome to be able to walk in that victory. And, and I hope maybe there's some of you out there today that you need to hear that, you know what? You're a winner, man. I mean, you're, you're victorious because of your faith. It's not because of anything you've done. It's because of what Christ has done. And, and so there's some incredible uh, scripture that uh, you know, encourages us. And here's one, Romans 8, 35 through 37. It says, can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? That's how much you know, God loves you, how much Christ loves you, that you can't even be separated from him. I mean, it's, it's, it's like glue. It gets a hold of you, you can't let go. Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity? Or are persecuted, or hungry, or destitute, or in danger, or threatened with death. As the scriptures say, for your sake, we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And, and so if we can get our mind around how much God loves us, man, He has provided victory for us to walk in victory daily. To be a winner, if you will. To, to walk in that victory. And so something I want you to understand, you know, is is every, every saint has a past. Every saint has a past, and every sinner has a future. Every saint has a past. You know, what does that mean? Everybody that is a believer, everybody that's a Christian has put their faith in Christ, we all have a past. We've all blown it. We've all fallen short. We've all messed up. We have missed it by a mile. 
And so, no matter who you are, no matter where you are, man, you have a past. We've all, we've all sinned. We've all fallen short of God's, God's glorious standard. But it says every sinner has a future. And so, if you are living in sin, if you're one of those who you, you feel like, man, I need God, let me tell you, He wants you to come to Him. He wants you to have that relationship with Him. And, and so, this, this statement here, I love it. Every saint has a past. We've all messed up. We've all blown it. And every sinner has a future. And so there's a passage here I want to read to you. It says, my child, pay attention to what I say. Listen carefully to my words. Just for, we read this last week. Don't lose sight of them. Let them penetrate deeply into your heart. For they bring, for they bring life to those who find them and healing to their whole body. Guard your heart above all else. For it determines the course of your life, Proverbs 40, I mean 4, 20 through 23. And this is what I love, is that, you know, God is dealing with the heart. And some of the things that we battle, some of the, the strongholds in our life, and all the things that we you know, seem to stumble over and cross all the time, they're heart issues. And we're not willing to sometimes allow the Word of God to penetrate deeply into our heart. We've got to be willing to say, God, I want to lay myself bare. God, I want you to literally... Dig deep into me and show me if there's sin I need to confess, sin I need to repent of, that I need to turn and walk away from. And so Proverbs is an incredible passage claim. And so here's the thing. Victory over our past is a matter of the heart. We covered that last week. So victory over our past is a matter of the heart. Uh, it's, it's the only way that we're going to get there is to deal with the heart issues. And, and ultimately it goes back to our relationship with Christ and, and just being involved and engaged in a relationship with God through our, our faith in Jesus Christ and what Christ has done. And so one of the things I wanted to kind of talk about today, last week we talked about the issues of the heart. So we know, you know what, hey, if we want to have victory over our past, we've got to deal with the heart. And so, but here's the thing is there's generational sins, and some of you guys may have heard that before, you know, there's generational sins that kind of carry on from one generation to the next. And so I want you to look at this. Victory over generational sins. How do we have victory in these areas? How do we overcome some of these things? And, and I don't know about you, but maybe like me, there, there's things that you look back at your family, you look back at your mom, your dad, and you think, man, you know, I don't want to be like them, but oftentimes we are like them. You know, we don't have to be, but it's because, you know, if certain things were modeled for us, certain things we saw you know, tendencies, you know, you may look like your mom, you may look like your dad, you may act like them, but there's generational sins that can be passed on. Some of that may be lying, maybe it's deceit, maybe it's, uh, maybe it's something that, you know, that you're not, you're not proud of, maybe your family's known for being thieves, you know, maybe your family's th- uh, known for being cheaters or womanizers or, or whatever it might be, you know, and, and you go, you know, I don't want to be known for what my family has been known as, you know, through the years, you know, maybe I, I knew a guy he told me, he said, he goes, my dad, man, he cheated on my mom all the time. My grandfather, he cheated on my grandmother all the time. He said, I don't want to be that dude. And I don't blame him. I wouldn't either. You know? And so there are generational sins that we can break that chain. We can be set free from that. So victory over generational sins. Here's a, a great definition. It says gener- generational sins are weaknesses or tendencies that are handed down to us through the generations from parents or members of our family. These sins can, be, can involve behavioral patterns and ways of thinking, look at this, that keep us trapped in the past. That keep us trapped in the past. Even though, even though sin can be passed down through the generations, each person is responsible for his or her own personal sins against the Lord. And so don't miss this part. We're going to hit this a little bit harder later. But the thing is, is there are things that have been passed on. You know, there's things that we have inherited. There's things that we, you know, have seen and it's been modeled and we've followed it. We picked up that pattern. You know, it, it, it's, it's like it's contagious. You know, you just kind of pick it up. But the thing is, is 
we are ultimately responsible for the sin in our life. And there's times that we want to blame. Like I said last week, we want to blame someone else. And, hey, it's my mom's fault, my dad's fault, you know, whoever down the line. But the thing is, is we've got to be willing to say, God, I realize that I have to be responsible and take ownership of what I have done, the sins I have committed. So I want to tell you a story. It's out of, it's out of uh, the Old Testament. This is a story about Abram. And when we talk about generational sins, this is one that really sticks out. And so Abram lies in, in this, this passage here out of Genesis. And so Abram is, you know, he, God has told him, to Abram, I want you to pack everything up and I want you to leave and I want you to go to a new land. And so God gave him that land. Abram set up altars and he worshiped the Lord. And man, it was just a powerful moment. It was, you know, it was just a promise being fulfilled. And then, you know, that they came on hard times, so they had to go down into Egypt. And so Abram... You know, who would later become Abraham, he lies. And he lies about his wife. And, and we're going to see there's a pattern that develops in this family. It says at that time a severe famine struck the, the land of Canaan, forcing Abram to go down to Egypt where he lived as a foreigner. And as he was approaching the border of Egypt, Abram said to his wife, Sarah, Look, you are a very beautiful woman. When the Egyptians see you, they will say, This, this is his wife. Let's kill him. And then we can have her. So please tell them that you are my sister, and then we will, uh, they will spare my life and treat me well because of their interest in you. And sure enough, when Abram arrived in Egypt, everyone noticed Sarah's beauty. She was a beautiful, beautiful lady. And when the palace officials saw her, they sang her praises to Pharaoh, their king, and Sarah was taken into his palace. And then Pharaoh gave Abram many gifts because of her. Sheep, goats, cattle, male and female donkeys, male and female servants, and camels. But the Lord sent Terrible plagues upon Pharaoh and, and his household because of Sarah, Abram's wife. So Pharaoh summoned Abram and accused him sharply. What have you done to me, he demanded. Why didn't you tell me she was your wife? Why did, why did you say she is my sister and allow me to take her as my wife? Now then, here is your wife. Take her and get out of here. Pharaoh ordered some of his men to escort them, and, and he sent Abram out of the country along with his wife and his possessions. And here's what's crazy about that. That Abram would allow his wife to go into another man's uh, chambers. You know, this Pharaoh, he's, he's, he's protecting his, his self-interest, his self. But the thing is, is he's lying. He's covering it with sin, thinking that God's going to bless him. Here's a guy that God just blessed with all kinds of land and, and all kinds of wealth. But yet, you know, he's, he's going to sit there and sin. And, and some of us, we, we go, man, I can't believe he would do that. But here's the thing. Some of you have been blessed with so much. You've been blessed with plenty of stuff. And yet you'll just run to sin so easily. And so Abram begins to, you know, lie about this. And it, the Pharaoh finds out. And he's like, man, this is not good. And he ends up giving it back. And he's like, why would you do that? And so Abram is, is put out. And so if you know the story of Abram and uh, Sarah, they have a boy. They have a, a child, a promised child that, you know, late in life. I'm talking about like way late in life. And, and so they're in their you know, 90 and 100 years old having a, a baby, you know, a little baby. And so Isaac is born. And so Isaac, we'll, we'll see this where Isaac lies. And this is their son. And so Isaac literally is, is, is he's following his dad's footsteps. And so we looked in, in, in a little bit later here in, in Genesis, just a couple of chapters over. It says, when the men who live there uh, asked Isaac about his wife, Rebecca, he said, she is my sister. Here's the same lies dad told. She is my sister. He was afraid to say she is my wife. He thought they will kill me to get her because she is so beautiful. They obviously had some good-looking wives, which is nice. But, man, you know, they, they were afraid that they were going to lose their lives because of them. 
You know, sometime later, Abimelech, king of the Philistines, looked out his window and saw Isaac caressing Rebekah. He sees, he sees him putting his arms on her. And it says, immediately, Abimelech called for Isaac and exclaimed, She is obviously your wife. Why, why did you say she is my sister? Because I was afraid someone would kill me to get, to her, from, get her from me, Isaac replied. How could you do this to us? Abimelech exclaimed, One of my people might easily have taken your wife and slept with her, and you would have made us guilty of great sin. And then Abimelech issued a public proclamation. Anyone who touches this man or his wife will be put to death. He's like, man, why would you do that? Why would you lie about your wife? And, and many of us look at it and we go, because his daddy did. You know, it was a generational thing. It was passed on. It was what was modeled for him. It was what he saw. It's what he learned. And, and so we would go, why in the world would he do that? But we then, listen to this, it doesn't stop there. We drop down into Genesis tw chapter 27 and we see that Jacob, you know, Jacob, he's going to lie to Isaac. So this is Isaac's son, Jacob. He's got Jacob and Esau. And so he's going to lie to steal uh, Esau's birthright with the help of Rebekah, the mom. To, he's going to do everything he can to steal us. So let me tell you this story. So here's the funny thing about Jacob and Esau. Jacob and Esau are completely different. You know, you got Jacob who was deceptive, you know, and here's Esau who was, who, he, he, he was kind of, he was hairy. One of the things we, we learned is he was super hairy, but he loved to hunt and he would go out. And so his dad asked him, say, hey, listen, go out and, and find some wild game, bring it back, prepare it for me. And I'm going to give you your blessing, your birthright. And so Rebecca overheard that. So she gets Jacob and she says, hey, listen, go out. I want you to kill a goat. I'm going to prepare it. And then he's like, how will I be able to, you know, trick dad into giving that, giving me that, that birthright because, you know, Esau's so hairy. So she puts this goat skins on him and, and, and says, hey, listen, whenever he touches you, he'll smell your brother's clothes on him, on you, and then he'll also feel the goat hair and he'll think it's the, the son. So look at what, let's pick up right here. So Jacob took the food to his father. My father said, yes, my son, Isaac answered, who are you, Esau or Jacob? And so Jacob replied, it's Esau. He's lying. Your firstborn son, I've done as you told me. Here's the wild game. Now sit up and eat so you can give me your blessing. And Isaac asked, how did you find it so quickly, my son? The Lord your God put it in my path, Jacob replied. Here's what I hate about that. He's literally using God to lie. You know, he's blaming it on God. He's taking it. He, God put it in my path. God provided. And so Jacob is, you know, he's deceiving his, his father. And he goes in and the father reaches out. You know, he says, you sound like my son Jacob. And so he reaches out and he touches and he feels the you know, the hands, uh, the arms, and he feels the goat hair, you know, and then he, that's got to be a hairy dude. But anyway, so he feels the, the goat hair, and it, he, it kind of deceives him. And then he smells the, he must have been rank, too, because he smelt his clothes, and he smelt like Esau, who was of the outdoors. And anyway, so he gives the blessing to Jacob. And we see that this, this happened. And so what we see, this pattern has developed in his family, and it's just passed down from generation to generation. And so what's been modeled, lying has been modeled. Lying has been modeled. And you, you might say, well, man, I hate a liar. God hates a liar. I mean, it, nobody likes a liar. It, nobody likes to be around a liar. But here's the thing is, there may be something that's been modeled in your family. Like I said, maybe, maybe you're no, your family's known as thieves. Maybe your family's known as, as, as cheaters. Maybe your family's known as, you know, as, I don't know what it might be. Maybe you're the, you're the lying bunch. You know, maybe I can remember certain families growing up, they were just known for being mean, just mean people, mean-hearted, mean-spirited people. And maybe that's what your family's known as. I mean, I wouldn't want to be known as that. But what do you want to be known for? Because what, here's what, may have been modeled, but it didn't have to, they didn't have to live that out. But lying had been modeled, and so lying had been passed down. 
And so, let me just say this. Mom and Dad, let me ask you, what do you want to pass down to your kids? Because you don't have to be, you don't have to continue to pass down what's been passed down to you. You can be the, the chain breaker. You know, maybe you're that family that's known as the alcoholics. You know, I, I grew up in a home with alcoholics. My grandmother was an alcoholic. My grandfather was an alcoholic. My dad was an alcoholic. And so for me, man, I wanted to be that chain breaker. I wanted to be the one to say, you know what, I'm not going to be an alcoholic. And so all through high school, I wouldn't drink. I didn't want to have anything to do with it. I still don't. I don't care anything about it. But I wanted to break that chain of alcoholism in my family. You know, uh, Laurie, she came from a family that had alcoholism in it as well. And she was the same way. She didn't want to be part of that. And so, you know, whatever your family may be known for, whatever that heritage might be, you don't have to continue to pass that down. You can break that. You can break that chain. Look at this, what it says in Ezekiel. I love this. It talks about we will, have to give, we will have to give an account for what we do. It says, Therefore I will judge each of you, O people of Israel, according to your actions, says the Sovereign Lord. Repent and turn from your sins, and don't let them destroy you. Put all your rebellion behind you. In other words, quit living in the past. Let's put the rebellion behind us. And find yourselves a new heart and a new spirit. For why should you die, O people of Israel? I don't want you to die, says the Sovereign Lord. Turn back and live. I, I was thinking back to this past week. I saw an article where uh, Phil uh, Robertson with the uh, Duck Dynasty found out that he had a daughter from, a, from a, a previous relationship back years ago. And one of the cool things that he said, he was talking about his past. He said, you know what? That whole chapter of my life I tried to put away and that I thought it was just nothing but darkness. And he told this girl who, who through DNA testing, they found out that it was his daughter you know, and she came to him, and he said, you know what? You're the only positive thing that came out of that negative time of my life, that rebellious time of my life. And look at what it says again. Man, put that rebellion behind you. Put that rebellion behind you. But now he's got this incredible relationship with the daughter. And, and the whole article is talking about how the brothers and the sisters have all come together, and they've. it's like she's the puzzle piece that was missing. How awesome is that? That God's redeemed this relationship you know, and taking this rebellion, what was meant maybe for, as evil, God is doing some good things with that. And so we've got to be willing to say, God, I don't want to continue to follow the model. I don't want to continue to you know, pass down what was handed down to me. I want to give my, some, my kids something better. God, I want to give them you. I want, to give them, I want to give them good things, godly things. And so here's some steps to victory over generational sins. I think these are important. And so these are just steps towards Victory. Uh, like I said, I, I want to win in this area. I hope you do. And so number one is this. Remind yourself whose you are. Remind yourself whose you are. You know, and there's a passage in 1 John uh, 5. Look, look at what it says. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has become a child of God. You are a child of God. Remind yourself, I'm a child of God. If you put your faith in Christ, if you believe, and believe it not just in the point of, hey, I believe that Jesus died a long time ago, but I believe that Jesus died on the cross. I believe that Jesus literally he lives in me. I believe that Jesus has forgiven me. I believe that Jesus has conquered death, grave, and, and, and hell. He's conquered it all. I believe with everything that's in me. That's faith. And so for everyone who believes that Jesus Christ is the Christ has become a child of God. You're a child of God. You're, you're co-heirs with Christ. You're a child of the King. And so it's reminding yourself who you are. That you don't have to live as, as a victim or even as, as a, uh, in bondage to your past. You don't have to live in, 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 as a victim or in bondage to things that maybe have been handed down, generational sin. You can overcome that. You are an overcomer. You're more than a conqueror. And so you've got to understand who you are. And everyone who loves the Father loves his children too. 
We know, we know we love God's children if we love God and obey His commandments. Loving God means keeping His commandments, and His commandments are not burdensome. For every child of God defeats this evil world. Man, if we ever needed to hear that, we need to hear it right now. Our, the world seems evil right now. There's a lot of pain. There's a lot of hurt. There's a lot of chaos all around us. But look at what it says. For every child of God defeats this evil world. And we achieve this victory through our faith. It's not through just laws, and it's not through politicians, and it's not through the government. I know some too often we think they're going to fix everything. They can't. Half the time, they're the ones that screw everything up, and they mess it up. And so the only way that we're going to find true victory is through faith in Jesus Christ and allowing God to change us and deal with our issues, our heart issues, so that we love one another the way that God loves us. And we love everyone, no matter what color they are, no matter what's going on in, in, in this world. We love people, and we love them the way that God loves them. And who can win in this battle against the world? Only those who believe that Jesus is, is the Son of God. Only those who are saved. It's the only way you find victory. So it starts right there. Everything begins with Christ. So number two, <clears throat> excuse me, remind yourself what God has done. Remind yourself what God has done. Look at what it says in, in John three sixteen through 17. For this is how God loved the world. He gave His one and only Son so that whoever... For everyone that believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent His Son into the world not to judge the world but to save the world through Him. I mean, we've got to remind ourselves you know, what, what, what Jesus has, has done on the cross, what he's, he's taken care of. So remind yourself what God has done. Here's another passage here. Check this out. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, again, it's all about faith. It's not about works. It's not about deeds. It's about faith. We have peace with God. Because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. It's what Jesus has done. And we look back, God meant God sent His only Son. Jesus laid down His life. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand. And we can confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. And here's one more, Romans 5, 8. But God showed His great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. I said this last week. Man, Jesus chose to forgive us. Before we ever ask. He chose to forgive us of our sins. If we'll confess them. He is faithful and just and will forgive us of all unrighteousness. So maybe today for you. You go, you know what man. I need to confess some sins that were passed down. That my grandfather committed. That my dad committed. My grandmother committed. My mom committed. My aunt. My uncle. Whoever. And it's been handed down to me. And maybe it has stained your thinking. It has contaminated your thinking. And you see you say God. I don't want to think like they did. I want to be different. I want, to, I want to think like Jesus did. I want to, I want to live like Jesus did. I want, to, I want to love like Jesus did. I want to forgive like Jesus did. I want to serve like Jesus did. I want to be willing to cross bridges into other people's lives and care about their needs more than my needs the way that Jesus did. And then here's, here's the third thing. Remind yourself how Satan works. You know, he's the biggest liar in the world. And so we need to remind ourselves how Satan works. He lies. He loves to feed the world lies. And so look at what it says here in John. Jesus told them, if God were your father, you would love me. He's talking to a bunch of religious people. These are religious people. He's saying, hey, listen, man, if you, if you understood what it was to be in a relationship with God the Father, you would understand who I am. And so this is Jesus kind of attacking, if you will, the issues of religion. Religion get in the way, and religion can cause us to miss God. So many people are trying to figure out ways to find God. God sent His Son, Jesus, to, to build a relationship with us. And so religion can cause you to miss God. And so if God were your Father, you would love me because I have 
come to you from God. I am not here of my own, but he sent me. So why can't you understand what I'm saying? Listen to what he says here. It's because you can't even hear me. For you are the children of your father, the devil. Man, that's, that's got to hurt. I mean, I want to be known as a child of God. And Jesus said, hey, listen, these guys have chosen to become a, a father uh, of, of the devil. Man, nobody wants to have that mentality. But oftentimes they choose it. And you love to do the evil things he does. There are people, and we know this, there are some people, man, they would rather do wrong than do right any day of the week. I had a friend of mine who used to lie all the time. And we, I, we would say, man, he would rather lie than, than, uh, than, than tell the truth. I don't get it. You know, why not just speak the truth? But he, man, he just could not help but lie. And so he would, he would lie even when the truth fit better. You know what I'm saying? It's just one of those things. So, he, so here's the thing. We oftentimes see people that want to do evil no matter what. But it says he was a murderer from the beginning. Talking about Satan. And he has always hated the truth. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. He's always hated the truth because there is no truth in him. And when he lies, it is consistent with his character for he is a liar and the father of lies. You've got to understand there are lies that are being permeated all around us. You know, and if you have been fed lies your whole life, kind of like Abram, you know, and kind of like Isaac, and then kind of like Jacob, to where, you know, you just believe the garbage that has been fed you, you've got to get into God's Word and discover the truth of God's Word. And the truth will set you free. That's in John as well. And so, here's some of the lies that we often see Satan kind of feed us. The lie he feeds us is this world is too wicked and scary for you to ever find happiness or peace. That is a lie from Satan. And so here's the truth. I love this. Fear seems to be one of Satan's favorite tools in this day and age, especially right now. But even when things are hard, even when they're really, really hard, God's plan provides hope and joy. God offers us hope and joy. We look back at Paul, who we studied last week. Paul was able to handle the circumstances he was in. Even sitting in jail, prison, whatever. And man, he had joy. And so, you know, it's not based on our circumstances. It's not based on what's going around. Our hope is what gives us joy. Our hope in Christ is what gives us peace. And so we are able to overcome this lie with the truth of God's Word. And so look at this other lie we often see. Confessing your sins will only hurt the people you love. To spare them that pain, you must keep it a secret. That's one of Satan's favorite lies is to tell people, hey, listen, don't let anybody know that you've sinned. Don't let anybody know that you messed up. Don't let anybody know that you've blown it. Don't let anybody know about your past. And that is the biggest lie in the world. And I love this. Look, look at this. Here's the truth of that. With this lie, the great deceiver is trying to get you to pass on his handiwork, his lies. Deception to those closest to you. In other words, that's your family. And so what that we have found, we've discovered, is the greatest healing takes place when we confess our sins to one another so that healing may begin. That's what Scripture says. So when we're confessing our sins to someone, you know, maybe there's someone that you trust. You go to them, you confess that sin, and you, and you get that out there in the open. You confess it to God. He's faithful and just, and He will forgive you. And there's people in your family that need to hear you confess to your sin and let it go. And then here's the thing. Let God begin to heal. Victory begins with a personal encounter with Jesus. There's nothing else There's nothing else that will change it. So if you want to walk in victory, if you want to walk in victory over your past, victory begins with a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And I want to encourage men today, maybe today is the day of salvation for you. Maybe today you put your faith in Christ. And, and, and so I said this last week, understanding the gospel, this is huge, understanding the gospel is the key to healing from past issues. If you understand the gospel, the gospel says no matter how broken you might be, no matter what you've done, no matter what you've been through, 
I can heal you. Jesus says, hey, we said it, we read it earlier. He'll give you a new name. He'll, he'll put a new spirit in you. The spirit of the living God is placed within you when you receive Christ by faith. And so if we'll receive Jesus Christ, it begins to heal us. And so here's what I love about receiving Jesus Christ. We receive the Holy Spirit that not only guides us, but is a counselor to us. He prays for us. He intercedes for us. You know, and he, But He guides us through life. And He puts us on a path that leads towards righteousness. And so we have the Spirit of the living God placed within us. So victory begins. I'm telling you, it starts there. You can re- go read whatever books you want to read, but I'm telling you, victory begins with a personal encounter with Christ. We saw it with Paul. It's what changed his life, radically changed his life. And I want to talk to you about some next steps. And here's the thing. They're no different than they were last week. I'm going to give it to you again. Have a life-changing encounter with Christ today by faith in Him alone. I'm telling you, that's where it starts. These are the same next steps that we covered last week. Look at the next one here. Allow the Word of God to reveal the deep heart issues you need to confess and repent of them right now. Right now. Don't put it off and say, well, you know, later I'll deal with that. No, no, no. Right now. If God is dealing with you, He wants to do business now. And so right where you're at, get down on your knees and just confess your sins. Maybe in brokenness. In brokenness. Let your family. And let me just say this to the dads out there. Dads, let your kids see that you're broken over your sin. Mom, let your kids see that you're broken over your sin. Let them see that it's real, that it's passionate. And let them see that you're broken over your past. You're broken over your heritage. You're broken over the sin that is there. And, and that you're willing to take steps to get healthy, to get whole, and to be made right with God. And here's the thing. They will reap the good benefits of that rather than dealing with the, what has been modeled for years. Maybe they begin to see a real change in you and they begin to see Jesus in you. And they begin to hunger and desire for the things of God because they've seen that change in you. No matter how old you might be, don't let Satan talk you into not repenting and hiding it and making it a secret. To what he does, he takes those secrets and he beats us with them. And he uses them as leverage and he blackmails us with them. But whenever we get them out into the light, the Bible says that what we bring into the light, God will literally cover with his grace. He will literally cover it with his grace and his mercy. But what we try to hide... It says He will bring it out into the light for all to see. And so, man, the best thing we can do is confess our sins to someone and confess them to God and allow Him to forgive us. And here's the thing. Let someone know. Let someone know just for accountability. Hey, this has been an issue in my life, but, man, I want to be set free of it. And I believe that today, with all the faith that I have, that Christ is setting me free step by step. Here's another one. Join a life group with other believers and learn from them. There's somebody in your life group that's walked that road ahead of you. They've, they've moved a little bit further than you have. They're a little bit further down the road. And they've made that decision to accept Christ. And they're growing and they're becoming a disciple of Christ. And I'm telling you, there's freedom. There's victory right here. And, and so if you want to win, man, if you want to win in life, I'm just telling you, the place to start is to put your faith in Christ. So I want to ask you, if you would, just to bow your heads and close your eyes right where you're at. Maybe just get down on your knees. Maybe in a position of submission, just say, Jesus, I, I confess to you that I'm, I'm a sinner. And I have been living in sin. Maybe you, you think back to your family. What is your family known for? What, what are they known for? What's, what is their heritage? What is their legacy? And maybe it's things that don't honor God. You say, God, I want to break that chain. God, I want to start something fresh. I want to start something new. With my name and my namesake, whatever it might be, God, I want from this point forward to be known as a godly man, as a godly woman. I want to be known as a giver. I want to be known as one who serves. I want to be known as one known as one who forgives. 
I want to be known as one who, who, who walks with joy and is filled with life. I want to be known as the one who speaks life over other people. And so right where you're at, just say, God, I want you to change me. I confess to you the sin that's in my life. I ask you to forgive me. And I'm asking you to come into my life with all the faith that I have. And Jesus, will you come in? Will you change me? His answer is yes. Jesus, will you save me? His answer is yes. We've already read that's the reason he came, was to save you and to save me and to change us. And I'm telling you, as God changes each soul, as God changes each heart, he will change our nation. He will change our community. He'll change our world. One person at a time. It's understanding the gospel. That's where it begins. Let me pray. Father, I thank you for today. God, thank you for this opportunity to teach your word. God, thank you for Scripture where it shows us so clearly how these sins can be passed on and passed on. God, help us to be the, the chain breakers. God, that we break that chain of sin in our, our family. God, that we begin to establish maybe a new purpose and a new focus for our life. And God, by doing that, we establish a new heritage and a new legacy for our name. And God, that we literally begin to live out our faith in such a way that people see that there's there's change in us, God, that we are your child. We are your 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 person, God, that you have put in this place for this time and for this season. And God, use us for your purposes and for your kingdom. God, I thank you for meeting with us today. God, I thank you for victory. I love to win. And God, I love that you paid the price so that we might have victory in these areas. God, we just love you so much. And thank you for loving us so much that you would allow your son to die for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you just made a decision, we want you to know that this is the greatest decision you have ever made. And we want to help you with your next steps. If you would text the phrase, my decision, to the number on your screen, we would love to help you as you start this journey with Christ. Again, we're so excited to see how God works in your life, and we want to help you out along that walk. Let's pray. God, I thank you for the opportunity that we got today just to come together and to worship as a community of believers, Lord. I thank you for the hearts of the people who are giving right now. I pray that you bless their obedience, that you bless their offering, and that you help it make an impact in the community around us and the global community around us, Lord. I thank you for today. I thank you for the people who watch and are enjoying the service today, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We cannot wait to see you back next week right here online at Journey Church.